morning. I'm Anna Kukulbert. It's Friday, January 7th, the latest on the Marine hearing. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. San Diego County residents are being urged to avoid emergency rooms if you're seeking just COVID-19 testing. That's due to the ongoing surge in cases, hospitalizations, and staffing shortages at hospitals. Officials say you should only go to the ER if you have symptoms that need emergency care. Meanwhile, hospitalizations continue to climb. 400 people have been hospitalized since Christmas. County public health officials reported more than 57 COVID-19 cases on Thursday. Monday was the deadline for all San Diego City employees to be fully vaccinated. By now, 86 city employees have been notified that they could be fired for failing to comply with the COVID-19 vaccine mandate. The departments with the most advanced notice of termination letters are public utilities with 19, police with 15, and parks and recreation with 13. Last month, 900 of the city's employees were warned that they needed to comply with the mandate. The city said employees who got vaccinated or applied for a medical or religious exemption did not receive a termination notice. Authorities are seeking the public's help in finding the suspect who spray-painted vulgar slurs on a wall at San Diego Academy High School on New Year's Day. The San Diego Sheriff's Department has released surveillance photos to help identify the suspect who was seen running away. Anyone with information is asked to call or leave an anonymous tip with Crime Stoppers at 888-580-8477. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. Long ago, when the public square was the only place to share news, events, and happenings, people were drawn to it. Living in community with others was the route to understanding each other and the world around us. The public square has changed dramatically, but our need to learn and understand one another hasn't. This is Port of Entry, the Parker Edison Project. Listener-supported KPBS Cinema Junkie. Thank you for listening to KPBS Podcasts and for being part of our region's virtual public square, where you learn not only about the headlines of the day, but about culture, music, and the issues that are important to all of us. Help keep the virtual square alive and well. Support podcasts like the one you're listening to right now. Just go to kpbs.org, click the blue Give Now button, and make a donation. And thanks again. Several Marines face being kicked out of the Corps after a July 2020 accident that sank an amphibious assault vehicle and killed nine service members. KPBS's Sally Hickson spoke with KPBS military reporter Steve Walsh yesterday about what happened on the third day of the administrative board hearing. This is basically a hearing to determine whether or not Lieutenant Colonel Michael Regner will remain in the Corps and whether or not he will be able to retire at his existing rank. And so it's a little bit different than court. So they allowed the families of the Marines who died that day, they allowed them to testify. I've, I've just come out of the hearing room. This was incredibly emotional testimony. Soxiana from Stockton, California, her uh, son Christopher, the sailor on board who died, she talked about how this has devastated her life, that her two older daughters 
no longer want to have children after watching her go through what she's gone through over the last 18 months, broke down several times saying that uh, some days she's angry, some days she's strong. Sometimes she feels like she has cement all over her body and she cannot move. Uh, again, there, there are something, there are about six parents who have come from all over the country to be here in the hearing room for this, including also Christopher's dad, who uh, says this is really going to be their only chance for justice. Nobody is being charged in military court. These are the, really their only chance to uh, have their son um, lives recognized. And they want to make sure that uh, this sort of thing never happens again. The decision on Lieutenant Colonel Michael J. Regner's future with the Corps is expected to come down later today. For over a decade, police in San Diego County have been using technology that tracks the location of people's cars. But as iNews sources Cody Dulaney found, some agencies have been breaking state law by sharing that location data with law enforcement all over the country. Police use automated license plate readers to capture every plate that comes into view, along with the time, date, and location. That data can be used to connect cars to crime scenes but it also can reveal where and how you spend your time. Mass surveillance technology collects the most intimate information about our personal lives. That's Vasuda Tala, a lawyer with the ACLU of Northern California. Most people do not have a choice except to drive in many car-dependent communities, and so they have to subject themselves to this surveillance whether they like it or not. That's why in 2015, former state senator Jerry Hill sponsored a law to restrict its use. When you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And, and that's, you know, where is that line? You know, is everyone a criminal? The law says data has to stay in California, but until recently, Five local police departments have been sharing with states as far away as Florida and New York. Police maintain the more information available, the more successful they can be. That was iNewsource investigative reporter Cody Dulaney. iNewsource is an independently funded nonprofit partner of KPBS. The new year is bringing a new financial opportunity for hundreds of students in the San Diego Community College District. Applications are now being taken for the Promise program. KPBS education reporter M.G. Perez has more. Brenda Martinez is in her second semester as a San Diego City College student. COVID has forced much of her learning to be online, right here at the table in her kitchen, where she spends time with her 12-year-old son, Giovanni. All my classes are getting paid right now through Promise. The San Diego Promise program gives Brenda two years free tuition and grants money for textbooks that she is using in her studies to become an alcohol and drug counselor. Her story also includes a four-year-old daughter she is working to gain custody of, and she is a recovering drug addict. I just know I'll be good at it. I know that I have passion for, for the addict, for the lost, for the, for the people that are like less fortunate. The Promise program is available to eligible high school graduates or GED students attending San Diego City, Mesa, Miramar, or the continuing education community colleges. Private donations also fund students who are veterans, undocumented, or come from foster homes. 
Promise Program Coordinator Luke Benchaka is also its most devoted supporter and cheerleader to marginalized students. It's an investment for you. Uh, we believe in you. We believe in your future. We believe in your family. We believe in your journey. And we believe that your journey can start here at the Community College District here in San Diego. Money has always been a challenge for me. 18-year-old Abraham Aguilar Galan is a freshman Promise recipient. His family comes from Mexico and is struggling to make ends meet. He is studying for a career in heating and air conditioning installation. What keeps you going? Uh, just my, my family, my mom, mostly my mom. My mom and knowing there's money in the industry. The Promise students sign a contract to maintain at least a 2.0 average, meet with counselors, and succeed in their dreams. Brenda Martinez made a promise to herself as well. I promised myself that I wouldn't quit. I promised myself that, that no matter what it takes, I have to get there. M.G. Perez, KPBS News. Hundreds of children in National City were tested for COVID-19 on Thursday ahead of their return to school on Monday. And in celebration of Three Kings Day, each kid was able to pick out a toy of their choice thanks to some donations. KPBS reporter Alexandra Ronhell has more. The National School District and the California Highway Patrol joined forces to give more than 400 children a special gift to celebrate Three Kings Day. It's a holiday celebrated by many Latino families. CHP officer Salvador Castro says it's an event they do every year for the community, and this year it was held at Lincoln Acres Elementary. For me, this has been something for, that I've always liked to do because I've celebrated since I was a kid Three Kings Day. Um, we, we wait and that's the day we open our stocking. Uh, so I know a lot of families here in, in San Diego celebrate it. When Castro heard there would be hundreds of kids getting tested on Thursday, he worked with the mayor to organize the joint event. Yeah, he's like, I know what I want. Although a free toy is a great incentive to get tested, Castro says. We're giving to any kid that comes in, whether they test or not, they get a toy. So they're really happy of that, that, that even though he wanted the bicycle, somebody else got the bicycle, but he's really happy that he's going to get a little gift today. Araceli Cuevas, a mom of two boys at National School District, says the free toys are very much appreciated. But she adds getting her kids tested before they go back to school on Monday is important for her. It does worry because you don't know where they have been, if they have it, if they don't have it. She says seeing other families in the school district take the same precautions gives her peace of mind. National City Mayor Alejandra Sotelo Solis says that's what it's all about. We saw folks waiting at 530 in the morning to get the rapid test kits and there was two in each box. And those are the parents and family members of the youth that are here waiting. More than 400 students were in line to get tested. Each student was given a rapid test plus a PCR test, all in the hopes for a safe return to school. We spotted one kid on his way home who received just what he wanted for Three Kings Day. Have a good day. Have a good day, guys. Alexandra Rangel, KPBS News.
Coming up, businesses are facing more and more uncertainty ahead of the latest surge of COVID-19 and the high transmission of the Omicron variant. We'll hear from the San Ysidro Chamber of Commerce next, just after the break. I'm Beth Accomando, KPBS arts reporter and host of the Cinema Junkie podcast. I'm also a geeky gourmet who likes to bake food themed to the movies I watch, like chocolate blood to savor with Dracula, or an extra chewy Wookiee cookie to enjoy with Star Wars. I'm geeky about the things I love, and that makes me a public radio geek as well. I love being able to connect with audiences just like you through TV, radio, the web, and podcasts like the one you're listening to right now. So, are you a KPBS geek? If so, then I'm asking you to get in touch with your inner nerd and become a member of KPBS today. Just go to kpbs.org and click the blue Give Now button and make a donation. That's right. Let's geek out together about the things we love. Instances of restaurants, grocery stores, and other businesses temporarily closing their doors are becoming more common as the pandemic carries on. Uncertainty remains high over how the latest surge will impact commerce in the long and short terms. Jason Wells is the chief executive of the San Ysidro Chamber of Commerce. He spoke with KPBS's Christina Kim on Midday Edition about the challenges local businesses are facing. We're seeing historically high case numbers and extensive transmission of the virus in recent weeks. Has this impacted businesses in your area? Well, absolutely. And, you know, I think the, the hard part is we're all uh, we, we kind of thought we were getting over this. Right. Um, and then to have a, this this new wave of a new variant, um, you know, as a chamber, we're doing all we can. Uh, we've got uh, uh, sanitizer, gel, masks, everything we provide out to our businesses. Uh, we've got a uh, agreement with San Ysidro Health. They vaccinate folks here in our uh, parking lot um, to date. Um, I think they've done a couple thousand, which uh, their next highest site was like 600. Uh, so we're doing all we can on the business owners. It's especially tough. Uh, you know, San Isidro with the border restrictions, we were only actually allowed to reopen uh, a little over a month ago. Uh, so this is this is especially worrisome. You know, and then I think also you get the impact of, you know, you're hearing the news and it's like, OK, this is spreading fast, but it's not as bad. So now you have people wondering, you know, should we be as 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 worried, you know, as we were before? Of, of course, again, as a chamber, we're saying yes. But I think, you know, we've been given the precautions, you know, if you're wearing the masks and doing the distancing and being vaccinated, you know, there shouldn't be much to worry about. That's kind of the, the attitude we've been taking. Are you hearing concerns from business owners about having to close down because of this surge? We endured over 20 months of, in effect, being closed because of border restrictions. So our businesses are not set up to endure any further kind of closure. You know, it, it's, it, we, you know, we're fighting for our livelihoods here. Um, as I said, as a chamber, we're just making sure that we do it safely. Assuming the CDC knows what they're talking about, and we believe they do, we're going to, you know, continue in the safest way possible. 
As you're saying, San Ysidro is in the unique position of having much of its commerce having just recently been reinvigorated by the recent border opening. So how are businesses faring? Was there an uptick during the holiday season? And how, if at all, is this recent surge kind of just changing the way business is working down at the border? There's obviously an uptick in, in, in the removal of the restrictions. However, as you started the segment out with, you know, uncertainty is always the worst piece here. And so for us, when you're talking about border crossings, anytime there's uncertainty as far as if the border is open or not, you know, people will, will not make trips. And so in our case, even though the restrictions were lifted for vaccinated people, there's still a question in Baja as to do my children need to be vaccinated? Do I have the right kind of vaccination? Is my vaccination on the list? those types of things that kept people back still. So we've seen an uptick, but still only about 75% of our normal traffic. Aside from the surge, business owners are having to contend with the great resignation as well. A record number of 4.5 million Americans quit their job this past November. Are you hearing about a shortage of workers? Are businesses in San Ysidro struggling to attract workers? Absolutely. You know, the interesting thing is, uh, you know, amidst all the problems, the economy seems to be doing well because there's a lot of jobs, you know, low end retail or, or, or uh, tourist jobs, what have you, that are paying, you know, 17, 18 dollars an hour. So I've got people that sell, you know, pizza by the slice and they're like, I can't afford over 14 an hour. Right. And they've had to change over their staffs completely. So, yes, we are definitely seeing a work shortage. It's maybe not as accented as some areas, but uh, we still are being impacted. Like I said, I've, I've got restaurants that have uh, completely changed over their, their uh, staff uh, because it's, it, it, it's hard to find employees. Right. You mentioned this earlier, that businesses have endured so long and so much and are already fighting for their livelihood, as you're saying, employing family members to make it through. But there's still the issue of temporary closure due to a significant portion of staff being sick. Are you seeing a lot of that? In, and what does that mean for the future of business in the San Ysidro area? That's just something as business owners we have to deal with. Uh, There's no magical pot of of employees anywhere. Like I said, we've been utilizing families both to get through, you know, the time when we had border restrictions and employees couldn't even get, uh, you know, to work on time. And now with people being out with positive COVID tests. As we start this new year, I know there's a lot going on, but what's your short term outlook for local businesses? San Ysidro is at the heart of our binational region, a very strong binational region. So I I think we're going to be okay. What the holiday season allowed us to do was stabilize some of these businesses. Um, Of course, then Omicron comes in. So I'm hoping that this is just a bump in the road. I think we're going to have a fairly strong spring. Um, Again, stabilizing ourselves, allowing our businesses to pay off debt that they incurred to over the months of the restrictions where they had no clientele. You know, I think business is going to be okay. What we're doing as a chamber is we develop a recovery plan. Some of that is a one-on-one assistance to businesses and in, in helping them get a little bit more onto e-commerce. We've got some infrastructure concepts and projects uh, that we're trying to do to enhance businesses. We also lost uh, 276 businesses. So some of that infrastructure improvement is meant to bring in new businesses. Um, however, it's been a little slow in getting all of those elected officials that felt bad for us during the restrictions. It's been a little slow having them with uh, give us checks to help with the recovery. Right now, as far as the chamber is concerned, we have three major focuses. That's one, helping businesses get through uh, this latest wave. Two, it's getting our recovery plan funded. And three, it's working with CBP to get the uh, reduction of border wait times back as a, as a priority. Again, we can be fully open with no Omicron, but if we've got three to five hour border wait times, we're still closed. 
That was Jason Wells, chief executive of the San Ysidro Chamber of Commerce. He was speaking with KPBS's Christina Kim on Midday Edition. That's it for the podcast today. Be sure to catch KPBS Midday Edition at noon on KPBS Radio or check out the Midday Edition podcast. You can also watch KPBS Evening Edition at 5 o'clock on KPBS Television. And as always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Annika Colbert. Thanks for listening and have a great day.